change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, lots of stuff to talk about today. We got the CFL draft happening that uh, went down last week. Uh, Ticats made a bunch of picks. We got the global draft to talk about. We have the CFL's return to play plan and the Hall of Fame announcements that have happened since the last time we recorded. But the first thing we're going to touch on, and I just want to be brief with this, quite honestly, is, of course, the XFL. Um... I got to be honest with you, man. I don't know how you feel about this. We haven't really talked about it, but I'm just sick of talking about the CFL and the XFL doing whatever the hell it is they're going to do. We did this with Atlantic Expansion. We kind of did a little bit with Johnny Manziel. I think that after this episode, unless we get some actual news about what's going on between the CFL and the XFL... I think we just put a moratorium on it. We just stopped talking about it. Nothing's happening. We've spent, I don't know how many countless hours collectively just talking about the XFL and the CFL and what's going on. And I'm just, we know, we know nothing and everyone's speculating and I'm guilty of this too. We're all kind of getting our, you know, our backs up about, could this be the end of the CFL? What's going to happen? But we don't know Jack. So I think after today, we just kind of put a pin in it and we wait until there's some actual news to talk about. And quite honestly, I didn't even want to talk about it today, but about a month ago, since we last recorded, there was something that happened in the sort of CFL XFL world that was unexpected, I think. And that was Arash Madani going on that XFL podcast. And in my opinion, just crushing the narrative that the CFL needs the XFL to survive. He was talking about moldy shoulder pads and it's just the logo. And I, he, I thought he just had this excellent rebuttal to sort of all of the pom-pom waving that we've seen from certain members of the Canadian sports media. Um, and madani has been one of the few guys, I think Danny Austin of post media out in Calgary is really the only other guy I can think of that I've seen kind of push back on this idea that the CFL must partner with the XFL to survive. And I I wish there would be more people out there willing to, to take that stance to, to say that, yeah, the CFL is in trouble, but do we really need this twice failed right now? Quite frankly, nothing league to, to keep us afloat. I, I don't think that that's necessarily true. So I, I was quite thrilled and surprised and i'm sure there were a lot of other cfl fans who were surprised that you know arash madani became you know to quote the dark knight the not the hero we deserve but the one we need right now uh what did you think when you saw the comments 
I mean, I thought he made them both look like fools, but I don't think he said much, really. He said that, you know, the XFL is nothing right now. We know that. I mean, this is a guy that has been telling us how incompetent the CFL is for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they just need a few tweaks, you know? They just have to be not incompetent. It's like, what is he talking? I don't understand why he's taking the stance. He clearly um, doesn't appreciate the league. He jumps on them every chance he gets. Uh, he makes fun of them every chance he gets. He has a good laugh every time they fail. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they're fine. They're fine. They just have to be not incompetent. It's like he just proved to me what everyone else already knows is that he's a jerk. He just went on that show and was a complete jerk to these guys that, I don't know, like they don't seem like that bad of guys. I've seen them say that they, they'd be happy with a, a three-down league and all this stuff. And, like, I just don't get all the pom-pom waving for Rash Madani all of a sudden. I mean, he's not a hero to the CFL. He doesn't care about the CFL. And he, like, I think the only reason he's saying this shit is because he's not a part of TSN. I mean, he's just, you can say all you want about Naylor and Farhan Lalji being pom-pom wavers, but Rash Madani's the same way with his Sportsnet team, with the Blue Jays, with the NHL, with all that shit. So I don't see Rash Madani being a hero at all. I think he's just a goof. I think he's an asshole, and he proved it on that podcast. Wow, that's uh, those are some 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 bombs thrown from you there, buddy. Uh, I I completely disagree. I I don't necessarily think he was defending the CFL. I think, and I I don't think this can be debated. I think he's defending Canadian football, and he does work and has worked with U Sports. He he's been the play by play guy for nationally televised U Sports games going back a few years now when they used to be on I want to say they were on City TV they were on they were on something they were on a Rogers owned network I can't remember what it was but they would show an OUA game and he would do play I think he likes Canadian football and I think the the, the reason that I enjoyed what he said is because there's no one else saying it yeah we can say that Naylor, Farhan, but Rod Peterson's doing the same thing. They're, they're, they're talking about this XFL merger as if it has to happen. And my thing is, show me the proof that it has to happen. Because I'm against this. As of right now, I'm against a merger with the XFL if it kills Canadian football. I, I've been on the fence about this for a while, but I, if, if this is the... Now, if the league comes out and says the only way we can survive is a partnership with the XFL, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll jump on board. Until we get there, what Arash said about them being nothing but a logo, nothing, it's, it's not inaccurate, but people are acting. People like Dave Naylor, people like Farhan Lalji are acting. You came on this show the last time, and who was it that you said? Oh, Gary Lawless. You said, talked about how great the brand of the XFL is. People uh-huh. are out there making these comments that the XFL is some savior for Canadian football and for the CFL, and to me, that's a, that's a joke. This is, this is a league. I don't give a crap that the pandemic caused it to, to fold. You know what the pandemic didn't cause to fold? The CFL. And the CFL might be in trouble, but they didn't fold. Yeah, they didn't play a season, and that's not great. And they're in trouble maybe not playing a second season. And if that happens, I think the league is dead. And then whatever happens to it is what happens to it. But the XFL, Vince McMahon, who has a lot of money, said, not worth me to keep going with this thing. Can't do it. So all of a sudden we're expected because a, a celebrity with, with big name attachment in The Rock is attached to this is all of a sudden 
oh, this the XFL is going to be this behemoth. It's going to be this giant. It's it's going to be another failed spring football experiment. We haven't seen spring football. And this is the, the point I keep trying to hammer home to people. The USFL was the last spring football league that worked. And the USFL worked for a couple of reasons. One, it was nearly 40 years ago, and the sporting landscape was much different than it is today. And two, they had superstar players. They had first-round NFL draft picks play in the USFL. Jim Kelly, Steve Young, Reggie White, Herschel Walker, Doug Flutie. Um, you know, guys like that played in the USFL. Is the XFL going to be poaching a guy like Trevor Lawrence? Is the XFL going to be poaching a guy like Patrick Sertan the second? Like, no. Those guys are not going to be going, not going to be getting drafted in the NFL and then saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the XFL for a season or two. Like the idea that, and and this is where I kind of coalesce everything. American sports fans, and I think we talked about this on the show before. American sports fans want the best. If the league is the best in their country, that's what they will watch. They will not watch the second best, and that's what the XFL will be considered the second best because they're not going to have superstar players and especially if they partner with the CFL, no one's going to... People keep talking about this massive TV contract that these, these guys could... Oh, they could get a $100 million a year contract. Why? Why do people think... Like, do you really think people in... Let, let's say Seattle gets a team because Seattle did really support the XFL. They'll get an XFL team. Are they really going to tune in to a Winnipeg-Saskatchewan game on a Thursday night on whatever sports network? In the, no, they don't... Canadian teams don't draw in the U.S. We've seen that with the Raptors. We've seen that with the Blue Jays. We've seen that with all of the hockey teams. That The last thing the NHL wants is a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup Finals because it tanks ratings in the U.S. But we're all supposed to just hop on board with this XFL. I, I, the whole thing just seems silly to me. And that's one of the reasons, again, we're all speculating here right now, Mike. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of want to have this be the end of the discussion that we're going to have on it until we get some goddamn news there's just so many hurdles, I think, that we have to jump or so many stretches we have to make to be like, oh, this is going to be the thing that brings the CFL to the riches that we think it can get to. I just don't see it. And I think Arash going on that show and kind of, yeah, maybe he was a jerk. Maybe he was an asshole. But sometimes you got to be an asshole to get your point across because there's been a lot of people going on that show and talking about how great the XFL product is and how great it's going to be for the CFL that to get smacked down every once in a while, I think is a good thing. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you about the, you know, I don't necessarily want the XFL and the CFL to join together. I want my CFL. I've, I've grown up with the CFL. I'm happy with nine teams. I don't need it to be any bigger. Um, but going back to the Rashmadani thing for a second, you know what his big idea was for the CFL to improve its, you know, business strategy or business? Flag football. Like, that was it. Yeah. Flag football. It's like, I, I was at the Grey Cup in 2007 in Toronto. They had like some kind of flag football tournament where teams would, you know, came to Toronto and and then their quarterback would be a CFL quarterback. So they've been doing that for a long time. So his idea of just flag football, that's it. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant, Arash. Like you are so smart. You know, it just comes off as like you're just the smartest person in the world because I'm pretty sure they've thought about that for a long time and it hasn't worked. And you mentioned that the Americans only want to watch the best. It's the same way in Canada. They don't want to watch the second rate. Like the CFL is like, you know, people people support it, but not not a lot of people support it. Like it's it's and I hate to say this, but young people do not watch the CFL for the most part. They think that it's second rate. They think that it's somewhat of a joke. 
And TSN doesn't help the cause. I mean, I don't even think TSN really cares about the CFL anymore, the way that they treat it, you know, with the low ball contracts and all that shit. So I'm just like, I don't know what to think anymore. It's just, I don't know even know if there's going to be a CFL any longer. Like the way that it's going, the way that the country treats the CFL, the way that the media treats the CFL, the way that Sportsnet and TSN treat the CFL, it's ugly, man. Like, we're second rate. We're not first rate in Canada either. People don't want to watch that crap. They want to watch the NHL. They want to watch the Raptors. They want to watch TFC because the TFC, like, I, I look at TFC, it's like a 30th ranked soccer league. And you look at Twitter and, like, they sign a player and they get thousands upon thousands of retweets and likes and comments. And it's like, what are we doing that we are so terrible in the CFL? It's very frustrating. It's promotion. That That's number one. It's promo- They don't, we're going to talk about this when we talk about the draft. What- I don't care. Like Toronto can, the MLSC can promote the Argonauts all they want. I'm not talking People about are- that. I'm talking about <sighs> league wide promote. Like we do not like, the fact that there are fan-run podcasts like ours that do more to promote the CFL than their partner, like their paid partners do, I think is sad. But it's not about just like put it slapping on a billboard. You mentioned that like TFC, it's 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 when they do something, it's it's big news because that is in North America the number one soccer league. It's not, it, yeah, it's it's you know a fifteenth tiered league around the world, but in North America, it's the best soccer league. It, on the continent so that's it, it's still it's not considered second rate we're, here so we're screwed i don't think we're screwed well it's like we're the second rate uh cfl so like maybe if we cut you know if we move the whole country to the other side of the world then maybe people would start watching the cfl but but the cfl is the second most popular television sport in canada after the nhl it draws yeah, better than every other league. Anyone, apparently, they don't get paid like like they are, right? No, but, but what does M, what the, what's the MLS con? We, we don't know the contract details of the other leagues. Like I don't know what MLS gets paid from TSN to air their games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, the problem in Canada is population. There is a tenth of a pop the population here that's in the United States, which is why you're not getting billion dollar TV contracts. Like the money's just not here now. Is there a way, is there a way to change that? Maybe, but I, I like I don't know. The sports are suffering. Like we talk about the CFL having an aging fan base. There's an aging fan base in every sport. That's not just a CFL problem. Yeah, but you, I don't know. You just don't. It's not in your face as much with those other leagues. Like there's interaction on the internet for other leagues. Like the, the Calgary Stampeders or, or even the Saskatchewan Rough Riders put out a tweet. It gets like 50 likes. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's more important now to people than than ratings. Like, are you popular on Twitter? Are you popular on social media? And the CFL just isn't. And I see them doing good work with their with their with their Twitter handles and stuff like that. But it just doesn't resonate with people. Like, they don't care. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely an argument to be made that there needs to be more. There obviously needs to be more of an attempt to sway a younger audience. I just don't know how to do that. And to get it back onto the XFL subject, I don't understand how partnering with the XFL fixes that either. Like people talk about The Rock being this mega global superstar, but The Rock is popular with guys like my and your age. Like we're the we're the bread and butter, and people older than us are the bread and butter of the people who who like idolize, for lack of a better word. The Rock, like we grew up with him as a professional wrestler. We followed him into the movies and 
all the other stuff he does. It's not 15, 16, 18-year-olds that care about The Rock. They care about, you know, Logan Paul and, and YouTubers and TikTok, like people that you and I probably never even heard of. Like, do you remember, like, you obviously watched WrestleMania when Logan Paul showed up. You're like, who the hell is this guy? Like, yeah, we don't uh, know these days. But, like, it's not like, you know. You weren't familiar with who he was, and neither was I. Like, I knew his name, but I was like, I don't know what he does. He's a guy. He was a guy on YouTube. Like, that's yeah. who young people. So maybe if the CFL does more on YouTube, maybe they can attract you. Like, I don't know what the answer to fixing the fan base problem is. I just. Well, the thing YouTube is, like, I, I've, I've looked at the numbers on YouTube with the CFL. <clears throat> the fan controlled football league has, like, way more views than the CFL, like, highlights. Like, the CFL puts out uh, game highlights. And the uh, FCFL did the exact same thing. They had hundreds of thousands of views. The CFL has, like, I don't know, maybe 20,000 on their game, something like that. So, like, and they got a TikTok account. Last time I checked, they had, like, 500 or 1,000 fans or something like that. So, I mean, they can try, but it just doesn't seem to be working. There's obviously going to be – they, they I, I don't think we disagree that something – needs to be done i just i think we could both agree that we don't know what that thing is quite frankly yeah. i don't know how to fix this i don't know if i don't and you know, honestly i don't know if it is fixable but, but everyone's hero rash madani has the has the has the well fix, i, you know? I like think football. yeah i think you're overstating the the hero comment i i meant that in the sense of it was just nice to finally see someone not just roll over and say with no proof and this this is my thing this is and this is sort of the the crux of where I stand on this whole CFL XFL thing. Show me the proof that this has to happen. And I will gladly 100% back it because I would rather there be some sort of hybrid Frankenstein XFL CFL league or partnership than no CFL whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm on board with this being the solution. If it is in fact the only solution, but give me the proof not not just you and I bullshitting about stuff. Not just saying this this the CFL is broke or the business model. Like people, I, if I never hear the term business model again for the rest of my life, I will die a happy man. Because everyone yeah. quotes a business model, but no one tells me what the business model is. Like yes, it's a gate driven league. We understand that, and they got to get away from that. How do you do that? Don't know. But what I'm saying is, show me the proof that this has to happen, and I will back it. Until then, I'm I'm skeptical. And and the more people that I think act skeptical instead of just regurgitate the idea that the business model is broken and the XFL is here to fix it, the better it is. Because here's the thing. They, they spent, what, $15 million to buy the XFL out of bankruptcy? What other money have they pledged to get this going? We know they're not going to have a season in 2021. I believe they've said they probably won't even have a season in 2022. This might be pushed to 2020. Like, by then, who's, who's good? Like, we talk about the CFL being dead after two years with nothing. What's the XFL going to be when that's even less of a known quantity than the CFL? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, <clears throat> you'd be dead for three more years. That's uh, that's not very good for them. No. So uh, I just don't think that uh, – I don't think it's necessary. I just think that, you know, places like Toronto and Montreal, I guess Montreal's owners are buddy-buddy with MLSC. I, I just think they want this. They they think it's a solution. They have no confidence in their product. They have no confidence in the CFL. They don't think they can sell the CFL in their cities. And that's that's the people that are pushing for this. And maybe BC, I don't know, but BC doesn't even really have an owner, so that's kind of hard well, the, to say. The, th- the thing I push back on in Montreal is 
they we've seen that work. We're old enough to remember the 2000s when they were packed houses and selling like hanging from the rafters, as the old wrestling expression goes, because they were winning football games. If that, that and that's the thing with Montreal, outside of the Habs, if if you're not a winning team in Montreal, they stop caring about you. So as soon yes. as the Owls, which was inevitable, were going to be bad once Anthony Calvillo retired. They stopped caring. Once the Owls start winning again and they're in the conversation for the Grey Cup again, now, I mean, that's not sustainable because you're not going to be good every year. I think Montreal can bounce back. I think we saw a little bit of that in 2019 when they started to be a little bit more of an exciting team with Vernon Adams at the helm and they made the playoffs and hosted a playoff game for the first time in five or six years. I feel like that's Montreal can be salvageable. Toronto is, is the... If Toronto wants the like I what I don't understand is why do you think if 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 the XFL is so desperate to get into Toronto because they think Toronto can work with a secondary sports league then what the hell is why isn't MLSE going well if they want it we should be able to do something here too like because it's not like you go to Toronto and it's an XFL hotbed like you know what I mean like this this is where I keep like butting up against like why is the XFL so keen on the Toronto market but it can't work with the CFL like it doesn't like neither neither of them are the NFL, so why why does the first letter in front of the the FL matter? Well, I don't I don't know I don't know, but uh, maybe they're thinking that they, you know they had so much success with the MLS team and they have American teams. I, like I, I'm with you, I don't see it, but like maybe that's what they're thinking. I'm not sure. Yeah. All I know is uh, this was uh, I'm sweating because of how how. Uh, <laughs> intense this conversation was so why don't we move on to some better news mike let's talk about the cfl draft uh the tie cats had a boatload of picks including the first overall pick in the draft and they took tight end jake burt out of boston college this was a surprise uh before we get into in depth we're going to give the yearly uh disclaimer that you and i know basically nothing about what goes on in the cfl draft we we did watch it i watched uh everything on TSN. Then as soon as the TSN feed ended, I flipped over to our buddies at three down and watched their stuff, which I thought was fantastic. Um, if it wasn't for guys like dunk Hodge and JC, I would be even less informed than I am, but I read their stuff. They know JC, especially JC Abbott is maybe the foremost draft expert in this country right now. And I know that that's probably high praise. There's a lot of people that know a lot about the draft. This kid, the, 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 no matter who gets picked, he's got information on him. And I just think that's incredible. Um, so, yes, we're not going to sit here and, and discuss these picks player by player. But I think we all kind of expected, based on what we had read and, and seen from the people that do know, is that the Ticats were probably going to se- select Terrell Jana, the wide receiver out of Virginia, with the first overall pick. And then they took Jake Burt. And everyone was just like, what? And then you and I were texting during the draft. I started, my wheel started going, okay, hold on, tight end. We got Kalinich. Is there going to be some sort of two tight end sets? Like, think of the red zone opportunities with Kalinich on one side, Burt on the other, a running back in the backfield. Is, is, is it going to be a run play? Is it going to be a pass play to one of these tight ends? Like, there's just, I start thinking of what Tommy Condell, the mad scientist of the offensive coordinator for the Ticats, can think of, what he's cooked up over the last year of no football. 
this got me excited to see something kind of a little bit different. Like, when's the last time you ever heard of someone even being a tight end in the CFL, let alone not just, I, I know that I think the last time a tight end was drafted first overall was like 1989 or something, and he's the first tight end selected in the first round in like 20 something years. But I don't know. I, I, I think this is kind of neat because it's, it's something a, at least a little bit different. It wasn't an offensive lineman, it wasn't a wide receiver, it's a, it's a tight end. And I don't know, spent a year with the New England Patriots. Like, there's, I think there's a lot to like about this pick, and it got me kind of interested in, in what the Tie Cats could do with them. What about you? I don't know. I'm surprised you don't hate this pick. Why? Because he's because he's a Boston guy. The Patriots. He's from Boston. <laughs> you know? eh, he, well, he's born in Regina. That doesn't do anything for him either. No, no, no. I'm all for this. He he can. He's a tie cat now. He can shed the Boston stuff. There you go. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Jake, Bert. Hey, Bert. Um, we just need <laughs> a, an Ernie on the team, and then we'll have the the ultimate tandem. But uh, yeah, I mean. You're right with the with the the size of this guy, six foot four, two sixty. You put him in like a max protect or or, or whatever, or you're in the red zone. You got Klinage and him on the other side. You're right. You don't know what they're gonna do. Could they run the ball with all that blocking, or could they swing out and you know pass it to Bird or pass it to Klinage or whatever? But yeah, I mean, I was surprised by this pick, but uh, the more that I think about it the more that I like it. You know, he didn't put up huge numbers at Boston College, but he wasn't really used that way. He was more used as a, as a blocker, from what I can tell. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a great addition to this team. He's hyped to be on the team. He's already signed. So, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I saw, uh, who was it, John Rush. He's like a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. He tweeted, like, as soon as the pick was made, he's not coming. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because he, he had some tweet quoted tweet with Adam Schefter saying that he got like an $80,000 signing bonus or something. He did from the, from Patri- the Patriots. Yep. Yeah. So he tweeted that as soon as it happened and I was going to tweet back at him. And then the news came out that he's already signed and he deleted it. So oh. I thought that was funny, but, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty hyped about this guy. I think he's going to, and, and I'm more hyped that he's hyped to be on the Tiger Cats. So I think it was a great pick. Yeah. He did seem pretty excited. Like, I mean, the fact that he signed a three-year contract immediately like that kind of tells you that he's, I mean, first it tells you he's actually going to be here. Unlike the last time we selected a quote unquote skill position guy with the first overall pick in Mark Chapman. And we never actually saw him. Uh, this is, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I just feel like the possibilities you throw him in at H back or tight end or at fullback or split him out wide. Like he's, he's a, it was he six, what do you say? Six, four, two forty five, something like that. Says, like he, uh, Four two sixty here. Yeah, so like he's he's not a burner, but you know who else wasn't a burner? Andy Fantuz. Not like Andy uh-huh. Fantuz ever cracked a four four forty. You know what I mean? CFL does you, to to play kind of closer to the line of scrimmage, whether you're a slot back, tight end, fullback, whatever. You don't really need to be all that fast on tape. I, I just think that there's so much you can cook up that we haven't seen in the CFL really. Like yeah, we've seen you know max protect and. There's seven guys on the line, but usually one of them is, or if not two of them, are just other offensive linemen. Now we're going to see guys that actually, in Kalinich and especially in Burt, who played tight end at a major Division One college on the field. I just, it, To me, it adds a different dimension to the CFL game that we haven't seen in a while, and I like when we sort of get things in the game that are, even though it's it's you know using a tight end is is kind of old school. It's new in the modern era because we just don't see it. I'm, that's what's got me most sort of hyped about this. Um, 
The Ticats also selected a number of other players, uh, linebacker Nick Cross out of UBC, defensive back Dean Leonard out of Old Miss, defensive lineman Muhammad Diallo of Central Michigan, linebacker Jarek Richards uh, out of St. Mary's, fullback Felix Garand Gauthier from Laval, and linebacker Miles Manalo from Western. The one thing that stood out to me, Mike, from all of these picks, no offensive linemen. Usually the CFL draft, as we know, is, is heavy on offensive linemen. But seeing the Ticats not select one in this draft told me, and I don't know, maybe telling you the same thing, that they seem pretty confident in all the offensive linemen they have. Now, they've spent how many first-round picks on offensive linemen in the last few years? Like, I, who was it? Revenberg, Sirocco, Gibbon, uh, with Manzi, are all the guys they've selected in the last four or five years with the first-round pick. So they must seem pretty confident. At least that's what it tells me with this draft. They seem pretty confident in the Canadian offensive linemen that they already have in-house. Yeah, that tells me the same thing. I mean, <clears throat> for... For a team not to draft any offensive lineman in the Canadian Football League draft is unheard of, really. So they must have tremendous confidence in, in guys that, like like you just mentioned, um, like Gibbon and, and Wood Manzi. I love that name, Wood Manzi. It's Doesn't so... it just seem like an offensive lineman name? We probably it's... said this exactly a year ago, but that just feels like an offensive lineman name. Yeah, he's just like, uh, I don't know, I just like it. Yeah, but, like that uh, feels like the, the name of a guy who is six foot four, 300 pounds, and can beat the living piss out of you. Yeah, and you know me, I'm always worried about the offensive line. Always. But it, uh, it, it, you know, it helps me out a little bit that they are so confident in the guys that they have. It, it eases my um, worries a little bit. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that tells me a lot that this, this offensive line is going to work. They're going to plug in some guys and, uh, you know, replace the guys that left. And it, it's going to be uh, – and they're going to protect Jeremiah Mazzoli. So, um they didn't select any offensive linemen, and that, that's, uh, that's a good thing because we already have them. So, And they didn't pick any receivers. Like, I know Burt's a tight end, but he's not he's not a receiver. But they didn't select any receivers, and that was kind of a, a place that everyone else thought the Cats – like, even you and I were like, okay, they took Burt first. Maybe they take Jana at nine. And I think Jarrell Janet didn't go until, like, late in the second round. Like, I think they almost yeah. were able to get him with their with their, their second-round pick because they had two first-round picks thanks to the Johnny Manziel trade. Uh, which I now think is officially over. I think this pick this year was the last bit of compensation that the Owls owed the Ticats for this. So, uh, I mean, that was that that trade was, was what three years ago now, and it was still paying dividends. That's uh, that was a pretty good trade for the Cats there. Whereas Johnny Manziel's been out of the CFL since 2018, essentially. Um, but yeah, they didn't select any receivers, so that tells me they. I mean, they do have a slew of Canadian pass catchers that they've drafted over the last couple of years as well. So, I know I expected them to kind of go with a receiver at some point, and they didn't. So they must be pretty confident in the guys they got there as well. Yeah, it would seem that way, and it's it. It seems that every year in the draft, Hamilton always throws a you know a curveball. Yep. You know, a surprising pick or two, and it's been working out for them. So uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing, boys. Yeah, I feel like the Ticats draft philosophy is expect the unexpected because it seems like when we think they're going to go right, they go left. And for the most part, and this is why I look at this draft class and go, I'm going to assume it's pretty good, is I have the ultimate faith in the scouting department of the Ticats because they've done a really good job identifying players and picking the right guys that fit the roster, that fit the culture, that fit the locker room. And there's not a lot of misses uh chapman is the biggest one obviously but he never came so we don't know how good he could have been but that always felt like looking back on it especially that was june jones going i want this guy in my offense 
and then yep. it just never worked out. Um, he's not playing anywhere. Is no, he? I'm pretty what? sure he's just straight up retired. Like I think yeah. he just said he was done with football. So, right. I mean, that happens every now and then. It's it's unfortunate the Thai Cats, and I believe they traded up with Montreal and that you're having to pick them too. So, I mean, that's a little unfortunate, but I mean, you, you know, guys don't want to play professional football. They want to go on to something else in life. You can't really blame them all that much. Nope. But, uh, all in all, like what did, what did you, is there, is there, like, again, we are not experts. Is there another player here that you are excited about or would you, I, cause there is some general draft stuff I think I'd like to talk about, but if there's anything else you want to touch on with these players, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm pretty hyped for Leonard, uh, the defense, defensive back from Ole Miss. Yeah, Ole Miss. Um, you know, he seems like a, a playmaker, somewhat of a ball hawk. You know, he, he started his career—not career, but he started his university career with the with the Dinos, which is a tremendous um, program. Uh, probably, probably the top program in Canada, or one of them, them in Laval. Um, but then he, he made his way to the NCAA, and you know, made some big plays down there. Uh, like you mentioned, I think earlier that he's probably a futures guy. Yeah. But uh, once we get him back, or if we get him back, I think he'll he'll be able to contribute right away. Well, and that's something that this draft like they took a couple of guys like Bert. Obviously, with signing the three year deal, will be in camp whenever camp's open. But the Ticats have a pretty stacked roster. Like their their Canadian talent is pretty deep. Their their American talent is is exceptional. They, they could take a chance on a guy like this. And, yeah, you never want to kind of throw away a second-round pick. But if Leonard, because he's going back to Ole Miss uh, for the 2021 NCAA season, he might get NFL interest. And if he does and never comes to the CFL, you're thinking, oh, man, they wasted a second-round pick. But it's not as if they desperately need Canadian secondary help. It's one of those things where it's like if this guy ever comes, we have him, we have his rights and he'll play for us. And that's, that's a big thing because there is a lot of – there was a lot of hype around Leonard, just like uh, maybe not as much, but, you know, Cuba Hubbard was selected by the Calgary Stampeders. And there's a good chance that if he ever comes up here, it won't be for three or four years. But that's a pick that can get people kind of excited. Could you imagine what he could do on, on the wide open CFL field? Like, I, I don't know if he'll ever actually come to Canada. I think he has the ability to be sort of a, if not a full-time back, at least a third down guy or, or a, a rotational piece for NFL offenses for some time to come, but uh, I don't know. You get these guys that that play at these big schools, like Ole Miss. Like Dean Leonard lined up against Devontae Smith and 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 guys like the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Like he went up against him. So I mean, that's some. If he ever actually gets himself up to Canada, like he's had some pretty darn good training playing in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Like the SEC is considered, you know. The- one of the top conferences in the in the states. So yeah, yeah, he he's facing top level competition. So he'll be ready once, uh, if and when he comes out there. So you and I, being fans, we were, I think, if not super excited for the draft, at least somewhat excited for the draft. But apparently, we were a few of the of the few that actually cared about the draft uh, because the ratings on TSN were not great. They were down over twenty percent from a year ago i could this be the product of missing a season um could it be that it wasn't promoted very well like the league itself sent out a tweet that said the draft was on wednesday night and we can chuckle about it now but that's you can't the league itself has to get that stuff correct you know what i mean do you think there's any way that 
that the CFL can make their draft more appealing because just a week before the NFL draft, and I hate comparing the NFL anything, anything, any in any area to the NFL, but the NFL draft felt just so much more like an event. Um, I mean, I could have done without all the concerts at the beginning. Like I don't tune into the draft and I don't think a lot of people who are into the draft tune in because they need it to be this, you know, rock show. But like my favorite part of the NFL draft was they were bringing up fans onto the stage uh, during picks, and one dude was dressed like Macho Man Randy Savage and handed up for the crowd for like two minutes, and everyone was going crazy, and the announcers were loving it, and it was I don't know stuff like that's kind of cool. I, is there a way that that we could make that at least maybe not to that extent? Is there any way that we can make the the CFL draft like more interesting for like the casual viewer? Well, you gotta, you gotta, people have to know who these players are first yeah. off. And it's like, I don't, you and I are diehard CFL fans, diehard Tiger Cat fans, and we don't know these players. I mean, you could put in the work and you could find out, you know, you could do your, your, your studies or whatever before the draft and find out who these guys are. But the casual fan, like, doesn't know who Jake Bird is. Like, he was the first overall pick and they have, they probably don't know who he is. Um, you know, just the overall presentation of, of the CFL draft, it was pretty pretty trash. Um, it was boring. I'm going to say it. It was boring. Yeah, yeah. And the the, the, the announcer, the, the, the panel didn't seem to know the facts about these players as much as, like, the guys from 3Down who were doing uh, the live show. And it just it just seems like a, like a not, not a lot of effort was put into it. Now, maybe they could do a thing where during CFL week, when if they ever have that again, they should do they should do the draft there. Get like you know, oh. couple hundred, couple hundred fans in there. You know, do what the NFL does with the fans. You know, picking the draft, not picking the draft picks, but uh, <laughs> announcing them. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be tremendous. <laughs> now, that would get people interested. That would uh, get yeah, absolutely. I can pick. The, I can make the first overall pick. I'm in. Yeah, no kidding, dude. But, uh, I, I, not to cut you off, that CFL week idea is fantastic. I mean, I, I, the only downfall is you want to have the CFL draft after the NFL draft. So maybe you push CFL week yeah. to the beginning of May, which is, I mean, better like better weather. Yeah, you lose that because the whole point of CFL week was to gain sort of a foothold into where there's kind of a dead zone in sports. The Super Bowl's happened. Uh, baseball hasn't started yet. NBA and NHL are kind of in that mid late mid-season lull. So it was like a good way to sort of get the CFL some attention. But, man, you push CFL week to draft week? I mean, I, when you said CFL week, I was thinking, oh, you bring a, some, a bunch of the draft prospects out, and you have them do media appearances, and you have them talk. And you, I mean, I know that they had the combine attached to CFL week the last time it was around, but I thought maybe you, that's that was where you were going. But, man, doing the actual draft there where you can have fans, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a pretty – I think that's a home run idea. Well, I can't take credit for it. I read it somewhere on Twitter. Someone sent it out. My apologies. I can't remember who it was, but uh, they're listening. Great idea on your part. Um, but yeah, it just make things, you know, get a little atmosphere in there instead of just four guys on a panel, you know, stumbling their way through the picks. So I think that could add a little pizzazz to it. Maybe find a way to get more um, quote unquote skilled position players. I don't really like that term, but you know what I mean? Like I wide receivers, quarterbacks. Um, you know, even even some of the defensive guys, you know, like linebacker or DBs. Um, and you, you saw less of the offensive linemen this year, which I think, you know, is a good thing. But uh, 
if you could get like a quarterback that was so talented or like a uh, you know wide receiver to be picked first overall, and I know we had Jake Bird, but like some guy that has some flash to him, more flash, you know, more big numbers, um, that might help. But that that's easier said than done, right? It, yeah, of course you can't force teams to pick guys no. just because it'd be the sexy pick. Um, I'm this is going to come off as me kind of patting myself on the back, although I had absolutely nothing to do with this whatsoever. But I thought three downs coverage of the entire draft process, including draft day, was the best I've seen. Like was was miles better than TSNs on a fraction of the budget. I think the the content that uh, Dunk and JC and Hodge put out uh, talking about prospects, ranking prospects. I thought the live stream. There were some hiccups there for me. Um, I you know I'm not gonna say I would have preferred Rod Peterson not be involved, but that's a story for a, a different day. Um, but I, I just thought that it was in, like when the CFL, when the TSN, I'm sorry, when their broadcast ended and I just, I was like on my phone, but I had my iPad there with, with three downs coverage up there. Every single pick that was made, they had something to talk about. They talked about what, how he produced, what his combine numbers were no matter who it was. And there were some surprising picks and they dunk and JC who did the live stream had something on all of them. And is that too much to ask that someone at TSN and I know they have Dwayne Ford and he's, he's their draft expert and he is phenomenal. Uh, but is, usually, it, yeah. is it, but they have Davis Sanchez and Dave Naylor, or I think it was this one. It was Davis Sanchez and Farhan Lalji who kind of, they're, they're giving you kind of boilerplate sort of, and this is no disrespect to them. Like maybe they're put in a position where they can't succeed, but they're not really giving me much in the way of information. And yeah, it's it's stuff that only hardcore fans will care about. But apparently, only hardcore fans are tuning into the draft anyway. I think it was something like fifty five thousand people on like that was their uh, but like four hundred thousand or so checked in at some point. But the average audience was around fifty five to fifty six thousand people. It's clearly the hardcores that are watching this anyway. Give us the hardcore football knowledge. Tell us why this guy is going to be a fit in this offense or this defense or how he's going to make his name on special teams or, you know what I mean? Like what he did at the collegiate level. Like I, I don't think that is too much to ask. And I think in that respect, going to three down for your draft, co- like I don't think there's a better resource on the internet or anywhere in Canada for draft coverage than what three down puts out. And like I said, that's going to sound like I'm bigging up the people I work for, but I, I had nothing. Like I did not no, participate in anything to do with the draft. It, this is all on them, and I thought they were phenomenal. You're absolutely right. I mean, I switched over there after the TSN, and the, the the knowledge was just tenfold. It was, it was like crazy. so much more than what TSN had. It, it's it just shows how little effort <laughs> is put in to that programming. I mean, the, the to me, like I, I I'm just so upset with tsn and just like they just don't seem to care even though it's their like pretty much i mean they have the nhl regional rights to some teams but it, it's pretty much their number one you know product on the on their airwaves and they just don't care it's have you, like have you ahead. found have you found just tsn's coverage of the cfl just stale the last yeah. few years like it just feels like they've never right. tried anything new is even their commercials like you see a commercial for NFL on TSN and it's like you know they they actually put some effort into it like and then you see the CFL commercial and it's just like 
piece. It's like it looks second rate. You know, it looks like a, a sm- very small league that like you just like there needs to be more effort put in to uh, you know showcasing their product. They don't seem to care about it. So it's just very upsetting um, to a CFL fan that they just they you know they're getting the ratings. They get good ratings and they and they just don't care. Yeah, like even it's it's might be silly, but even things like changing up the look of things, mm-hmm. like even like it it might be something minor, but it just makes it feel like you're trying something. It just feels like everything with the CFL and TSN is like stuck in 2010. Like I don't feel like anything's really changed with how they present the product in almost a decade. You know what I mean? Like it just feels. I think I think stale was when I said earlier was the kind of the best word I can think for it. It just feels like stale like we like you look at the again i but you know what i won't say the info you look at any sports property and they change the look of of what what the scoreboard like it's a small thing what the scoreboard looks like on the screen it changes every couple of years where the cfl one feels like it's been the same since i can remember so i mean we they don't put i is it wrong for us to expect them to do more i don't think so they're the league's main television partner they're the only television partner they should be doing more to kind of promote the game and it just feels like with the draft there's just i don't know if there's anything they could do i think because guys like the all the best player all the best canadian players that are available aren't going to get drafted especially early um because they have nfl opportunities which is great i think it's awesome it just shows you the growth of the game in canada that all these can like four canadians were picked in the nfl draft last week like that's that's awesome. You know what I mean? But it also means that those guys that maybe 10 years ago would have been playing in the CFL now aren't available. So I don't know. It just feels like there should be something more we can do, or at least there should be something more that can be done, I guess is a better way to put it, to make the draft a little bit more appealing to a mass audience. But uh, I mean, if you're looking for the nitty gritty, three down was the place to go. And that's probably where I'm going to be going for most of my draft coverage uh, over the next few years is, uh, I, th- I think we they just knocked it out of the park. Yep, I would have to agree. And it's just, you know, one thing after the other with uh, TSN not seeming to care. I mean, I remember about a month ago, the T- and this is probably more of a product of Toronto, but the TSN 1050, yeah. the, uh, the, you know, they have rights. They carry the Argos games and they pick friggin' Tom Brady on a graphic yeah. to celebrate the 10 year or five year anniversary. It's like, man, really? Like, no one said maybe we shouldn't do this before that tweet was put out. It's like they don't even exist to the to that radio station to TSN. It's it's, it's very frustrating. But anyways, yeah. Tom Brady probably can't point out Toronto on a map, quite frankly. And that's not an indictment of Tom Brady's intelligence. That's just he just the way where Toronto is. Okay, yeah. from one draft that we knew little about to a, another draft that we know even less about. And that was the global draft took place a few weeks back. Uh, the Ticats had four picks in the draft. They selected a punter out of Australia by the name of Joel Whitford, who went to the University of Washington. Uh, defensive tackle Chris Malumba out of Finland, who went to the University of Colorado. Defensive lineman linebacker David Izinyan, I believe is how it's pronounced, from the UK, who was uh, with the... Rostock Griffins of German Football League 2 and with their last pick they took kicker Dominic Eberly out of Germany Mike the global draft uh, I'm not going to get we're not going to break these players down because I mean there are two kickers it's global players I'm going to be honest don't know anything about them uh, maybe that makes us bad podcasters but I'm 
the global draft is not something that's on my radar. But this is where the CFL wants to go. And at first, I thought this was laughable. But in thinking about it, you want to grow the game. I get that. International players. Football is growing across the world. I think this is a good thing for the league to get in on this. But the global draft. The problem I have with the global draft is, and if this is where it's going to go, this is going to die sooner rather than later. Kickers and punters do not sell. I'm sorry. They just don't. There were four kickers and punters taken in the first round, including the number one overall pick, which was a punter. And in a four-round draft, 11 kickers and punters were taken. This is never going to become something that people give two hoots about if this becomes the kicker-punter draft. Um, The Ticats took a punter and a kicker in this draft, and then they took a defensive tackle and a linebacker. So... I don't know, man. I don't know how you feel about this, but if, like I said, if this is if this is going to become like a foot fest over here, no, this is this is not going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have to agree. It's just, just you know, and nothing against the global players. I'm sure that you know there's a lot of you know great global players out there, but it just doesn't seem that like the CFL scouts or GMs take it seriously, um, take them seriously if they're going to be selecting you know only kickers and punters. And I know there were some other, you know, positions picked, but uh, yeah, it's just hard to, you know, we talk about the Canadian draft and it's a little bit hard to get into because we don't know the play, these players, but it's the same way with this times 10. Like, uh, I, I don't know these guys from hole in the ground and it's just, uh, they need, yeah, you're right. If, if it's just going to be kickers and punters every year, then uh, this is going to die a slow death. Yeah. And I, I the more... Some of these guys, you hear some of these guys talk, and they're really excited to play in the CFL. They're yeah. like, oh, this is, you know, because they're moving from a smaller league. Like, I mean, well, I mean, the, the first two picks the Ticats took both played at major American colleges. One played at Colorado, and one played at Washington. Like, those are those are big-time schools. So they have big-time football experience, but they're excited to play in the CFL. And, like, that, I, like that when you see that sort of excitement we talked about with Jake Burt, that gets you excited because it's like, okay, guys do want to play up here in Canada. Um, but you gotta make this, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you make this better because if you're going to force teams to carry international players, global players, they're going to pick kickers and punters because if a kicker or punter goes down, you have a backup. It's like they, they, they gave a spot. Like they didn't take a spot away from it. They just added a roster spot for, you have to have a global player. What, the Ticats used it on a backup kicker for like the first six weeks of the season in 2019 because why not? You're not going to put a guy on the field who's not ready, and the kicker is probably never going to get on there. So some of these – I know from JC, who's really big on the global players, does a lot of work on the global players, says that some of these kickers and punters are better than the Canadian guys, so there is some value here. I just think that overall in trying to – build up the profile of global players if that's what the league is attempting to do the teams basically doing their best to kind of make this for lack of a better term into a bit of a joke by just selecting kickers and punters is is going to make this not work and if the league wants this to work again much like with the the canadian draft you can't force teams to take players they don't want to take but you got to find a way to kind of mix it up and get some get some more interesting players in there. And I'm not saying like kickers and punters can't be interesting, but 
if that's the vast majority of the guys that are picked, like 11, what is it, 30, what was it, a 36-pick draft, and 11 of them, nearly a third of them, were kickers and punters, that's not great. That's not great for, for this being a success. That's not great for teams investing in it. You know what I mean? If, if this is only going to go as far as teams want to invest in it. If all they're investing in are kickers and punters, I don't know. This is uh, this was disappointing. I, I I was hoping for better, but I mean maybe maybe the the profile or the the talent of level of players across the globe needs to get better before better players come. I don't know, but yeah, it was just a little, eh, kind of boring. Yeah, and, and another thing is, you know, the NFL is doing the same thing. They're looking for players yep. internationally now too, and that kind of puts a you know fork in the road. It, it kind of derails the CFL's idea because. If the NFL is looking for players, they're going to get the best ones, right? Of so, I mean, I, you could make that argument with with any player across you know North America too. But uh, it's just it just makes you know with a smaller amount of players, it makes it even more difficult to get really talented guys to, to you know sign with the CFL team. All right, Mike, that's it for Ty Cats talk. Let's jump into some CFL talk and the big news, the one that we were going to lead off the show with before we got derailed or I derailed us with talking about the XFL for the last time is the CFL actually announced a return to play plan. Uh, came out late last month. Uh, they set August 5th as the start date for a 14 game regular season that will culminate with the gray cup here in Hamilton on December the 12th. There are obviously still some hurdles that we will get to in a moment that we have to talk about. But when this was initially announced, what were your initial feelings? Oh, happiness. Um, you know, for them to actually, you know, put a date out there. And I know it's not set in stone and many things can happen. But um, I'm trying to stay positive about that August 5th start date. It just, you know, gives gives CFL fans something to look forward to. And I love the 14-game schedule. I think they should have a 14-game schedule every year. Um, I think there's too many games in the regular season. I know it will never happen because that's more money in the owners' coffins, but uh, or coffers, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it might be in their coffins. <laughs> coffins. I, mean, I mean, it's definitely in David Braley's coffin. <laughs> oh, that was. Oh boy. Um, no, nah, I'm gonna leave it in. I was like, I'll cut that. Right. No, nah, I'm leaving it in. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. So <laughs> you know, I just sound like an idiot with my wrong words, but uh, yeah, it's. It's it's a I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, because we got we got derailed by coffins. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I I want this to happen, obviously. And August fifth, you know, it's it's a good. I think it's a good start date because it's you know it's not. There's still a little bit of summer left, so you can still get out to the park if you're lucky enough to be uh, to be you know one of the you know 25 percent capacity or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I just want to. I'm excited for some CFL football. I want. I want this group of Hamilton Tiger Cat players to be on the field because I think we have a really good shot at, uh, you know, making to the Grey Cup and possibly winning. So get on the field like any way you can, and uh, maybe we'll be raising a Grey Cup banner in 2022. This all came down to how they presented it. A year ago, they announced the postponement of the season. And it was just kind of we're post COVID nineteen is making us postpone the start of the season. We don't know what when we're going to start, but our plan is to get on the field. And that was kind of a downer. This time, though, with giving us actual dates, the presentation of how this postponement because it's the exact same thing. It's post it's postponing the start of the season, and 
not guaranteeing that they're going to play, but saying, here's our plan. Here's when we want to start. Here's what we're going to do. Here's when the Grey Cup is going to be. Here's kind of what we need for this to happen, even though they were a little bit, you know, uh, quiet about the actual things they needed. But we all can kind of assume, you know, vaccination levels go up, COVID rates go down, fans in the stands. We all kind of knew that these were some of the things that were going to have to happen. But in framing it in a, we're going to start August 5th versus we're not going to start on time, changed the complexion of how I felt about this because you and I were texting about it when we were going to record a couple of weeks ago and then life happens and we didn't get a chance to and that, that's okay. But you texted me, you're like, you want to do a pod on Friday or Saturday, whatever it was when we were going to do it. And you said, can we, you want to do it talking about the, how they're going to postpone the start of the season. And that initial message was like, oh man, that's a bummer. You know what I mean? And not, not through any fault of your own. That is what we had heard. Everyone was saying they're going to postpone the start of the season. So if they would have come out and said, Unfortunately, due to rising COVID rates, especially in Ontario and Quebec, we're not going to be able to start the season on time. We are indefinitely postponing the start of the 2021 season. We would be having a much different conversation right now than I think we're going to have, which is they came out and said we are postponing. They didn't even say they're postponing the start of the season. They're saying we're pushing back the start of the season to August 5th. And that to me gives you, like you said, it's a tentpole. It's a date that gives you something to look forward to as opposed to, God, I really hope they find a way to get on the field. Now we're like, okay, we know that, that it's not set in stone, like you said, but that it gives us a kind of a moment of going, okay, we know that they want to start by here. And then we kind of work our way backwards to, well, you got to get training camps in and you got to get this. And you, okay, so we're kind of in the realm of when we know we're going to get a secondary announcement of we're full steam ahead and we're going to get going, or we got to postpone it again. You know what I mean? Like if you keep yep. giving us these dates, and even if you postpone stuff, you're giving us something to like, okay, we can kind of go, we kind of, instead of last year where we were all fans, players, especially kind of like, what the hell is going on? Now, at least we have, okay, we're going to know by this time when we're going to be able to sort of understand when we're going to be kicking off. Even with all that said, there are still a couple of hurdles that the league needs to sort of jump over before we're more or less knowing we're going to get CFL in, in the, in the, at least in the fall, so maybe in the summer. One of them was they needed to get their health and safety protocols approved by all six provinces. And as you heard on the TSN draft coverage, that has been given either in writing or verbally to all the teams in the six CFL provinces that they have had their return to play safety protocols uh, given. The approval has been given. So that's one major hurdle that they had to get through before they were going to be able to get back on the field. The second was obviously the the quote of needing a significant number of fans in the stands. We have heard the BC Lions come out and say for them it's anywhere between four and 5,000 fans. Farhan Logie came out and said that 25% capacity is sort of the rough guideline. But we've seen the Ticats and the Red Blacks ownership come out and say, we'll play with no fans. So I mean, it varies in different places, but the idea that we've one major hurdle has been achieved and the other one with vaccination rates going up, this feels more positive, more forward, good momentum than we were a year ago at this time when the, the season was postponed then. Yeah, for sure. And I liked, you know, before they got the approval, they said in that in that message that if they have to, they'll they'll move, you know, Ontario teams to uh, west for a couple yep. weeks or whatever. Um, so they did have backup plans, which is, which is a good thing. 
it just worries me that you know and i i'm so sick of talking about covid but uh you know the rates are just going up and up you know especially here in alberta i mean that was like one of the safe zones that they might come out you know the tiger cats or any ontario team might come out west and i assumed that maybe it might be in alberta because you know edmonton has such a big stadium and and all that stuff but uh but yeah let's just assume that you know those things are going to go down with the vaccinations uh fortunately i was able to to get my first one so so that's a good thing um and and hopefully people follow suit and we can get this thing, you know, under control and we can watch them CFL football. It'll be nice to one of the things in watching the draft is they showed a bunch of highlights from yeah. past seasons. And I tweeted it out and I was as I was watching it, I was like, Man, this I, I wanna see this again. I wanna be watching T- CFL on TSN. I wanna be in the stands watching games. I mean, if, if if they say they can't have fans in Hamilton and I just got to watch the games on TV, I'm fine with that. Whatever gets yep. the CFL back, back on the field, I will sacrifice whatever it takes. I just want to get that feeling of watching the CFL again and, and watching those highlights kind of got us there, or at least got me there. Um, the other thing is they're going to revise the schedule. They're not just going to lop off the first four games and say, here's a schedule. They're actually going to give us a new schedule. When this was announced a few weeks ago, they said within probably 10 days there'd be a new one. That obviously has not come to pass. But, I mean, that's something else to look forward to. We get a, we've, we've already broken down the Ticat schedule. We get a chance to, to break it down again. We, we talked about uh, an undefeated season. Well, four less games makes an undefeated season. I mean, last time they played, they won 15 games in the regular season. Why can't they win 14 this time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes the... Uh... It makes it a little bit easier to have that undefeated season, but uh, I mean, I'll take first in the East. Uh, you know, if you win, if you lose one or two, uh, that's okay. But with the revised schedule, I just hope that there's still a game here in Edmonton because that's you know the highlight of my my year. One of the highlights of my year is going and being able to watch the Tiger Cats live, and uh, you know it's always kind of fun going into an opposition's stadium. Yep. And uh, you know, cheer for your team, especially if they win. I mean, if they lose, it's it's not as fun. But uh, yeah, and I hope hopefully get uh, uh, Dylan Wynn to sign my jersey. That would that would be nice too. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I like the I like the fourteen games. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. Last thing that we're going to talk about today, Mike, is the CFL or the C- Canadian Football Hall of Fame, more accurately. Uh, announced their 2021 Hall of Fame inductees. And there's a little bit of a Ticats flair to this year's proceedings. Uh, Before we get to them, there were seven people elected to the Hall. Uh, Defensive lineman Will Johnson, defensive back Don Wilson, coach Marv Levy. Uh, A lot of people will know him from his days with the Buffalo Bills, tending them to four straight Super Bowls, unfortunately losing all of them. But he did spend time in the CFL with the Montreal Alouettes, winning one, two Grey Cups. He won a Grey Cup. Maybe he won two. Can't remember. But he won a Grey Cup. And then uh, Nick Lewis, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer, the uh, all-time leading reception man in the CFL. Uh, he won two? Yeah, 74 and 77. All right, there we go. Um, and then Nick Lewis, the all-time leader in receptions in the CFL, uh, spent most of his career with the Calgary Stampeders. But the Ticats connections come in next. Commissioner Doug Mitchell, who was the CFL commissioner from 1984 to 1988. Uh, he is the father of Ticat CEO Scott Mitchell. So that's kind of a, a neat sort of uh, connection there. 
And then the two players that uh, one in particular, I think, needs no introduction or expounding on his career. But uh, defensive lineman Mike Walker, who was a tie cat from 1982 to 1989, was on the 86 Grey Cup championship team and is 14th all time in the league in sacks with 95.5. And then, of course, current Ticats head coach and former defensive back Orlando Steinhauer. I'm not going to dig into what his resume is. If you're listening to this show, you know exactly who Orlando Steinhauer is. Uh, congratulations to all the inductees. But uh, Steinhauer getting in, I think, is long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. He was a dominant defensive back uh, for the for the Tiger Cats and um, the Argonauts, unfortunately. But we we won't uh, you know we won't throw mud at him for that. You know, you got to sign where you got to sign. But yeah, he had a tre- tremendous career. I remember him in the glory days, uh, our glory days, the '98, you know, '99 era. Um, I remember him and Eric Carter. Yep. Uh, just doing their thing, and I was a huge fan of Eric Carter. Too. Same here. Yeah, Loved Eric Carter. And, uh, Hamilton. They were just a dynamic duo, um, dangerous in the in uh, you know in that secondary, and uh, it was a joy to watch those guys. So, uh, congrats to Orlando Steinhauer, a, a you know a Hall of Fame player, and uh, I think in the future probably be a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, he's on his way. I mean, fifteen and three, first year as a head coach, <laughs> not too shabby. No, yeah, and it, you know we don't know where his career is going to go from. You know, after his his coaching career in Hamilton, uh, you know, I'd love for him to be the coach forever, but you, you never know. Maybe he gets a chance in the NFL and makes even more of a case to be a Hall of Fame coach. Absolutely. Yeah, Marv Levy waiting this long to get in is kind of weird, right? Like, it is it is kind of weird? Um, you know, with you know, with his you know two Grey Cups with the Alouettes, obviously huge, and then he went to, uh, had massive success with the Buffalo Bills, taking the four great uh four straight super bowls and you know obviously uh they had a tough t- time in those games but uh he, he's in both hall of fames now which is a you know a tremendous thing yeah i just it just feels like uh for someone who coached here in the 70s he should have been in a long time ago but you know better late than never is uh is probably yep. the best saying there and same with same with all the inductees with the exception of nick lewis who got in on his first ballot um all these guys definitely definitely deserving hall of fame guys i never really i don't really remember mike walker all that much, unfortunately, a little, a little before my time. Um, leaving mm-hmm. the Cats in in '89, it was a little before I was I was really able to remember players, especially like you know Earl Winfield stood out and Mike Kerrigan. But uh, I mean, you win a Great Cup in Hamilton, and you're you're pretty much set for life in this city. So uh, another guy that definitely deserves his uh, his induction into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to all these guys. Yep, and the 1986 uh, in 1986, he had 21 sacks. So the Ooh. guy could ball so definitely definitely a contributor to that championship team then yep absolutely all right so uh that was podsky weaver for this week Uh, i'm josh smith and i'm mike graham eat them raw eat them raw